3: Two seed. They finished 13 and three. A 13 win season for the third time in franchise history. I've been dreaming this my whole life. This have you. Yeah. It's time to put in the work. Yeah. Every man gonna dominate. Right, Offense, defense, special team. Let's go. What are we talking about? Greg Zerline yeah. sends the Rams to the Super Bowl.
1: Hey, hey, welcome back to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo with Josh Kolak. We are here to go ahead and continue with, of all things, the Rams Talk Radio Mock Draft. We're also going to pick apart the argument that the Rams employed a finesse offense this season. What the crap? Is that real? Did somebody actually talk about that? Well, yes, someone did. All right. So before we go on, Josh, how you doing, man? Good, good. How are you? Doing all right. You, you feeling better? Yes, finally. So, yeah, Josh was supposed to be on the show last week, and I get this text, and he's like, I'm dying. I can't do interviews. You got to do it without me. I'm like, okay, man. I can do this. No, really, I'm dying. No, I'm kidding. But he was awful sick. So... I had to fly solo last week. Glad to have you back, man. You look a lot better than you than you did last time I saw you. So, Thank you. Thank you. I feel a lot better than I did last time. <laughs> all right. So, folks, we do remind you that we are available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker, all those places. You can also find our podcast list with Clutch Points. They feature an awesome app that puts loads of NBA and NFL information at your fingertips. Check them out at ClutchPoints.com or download the app. Also, don't forget to subscribe, leave a five star review on iTunes. It really helps us out. Matter of fact, we're actually running a new contest because we really want more feedback. This is how it works. Once we get to 200 five star reviews, one lucky winner will get a $75 gift certificate to NFLShop.com. All you gotta do is head over to iTunes, leave your five star review, and send us an email at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com with a screenshot or just a copy of your entry, like what you said. So we know who to reward, okay? And we'll also read your feedback on the shout out words. We'll give you a shout out if you happen to think we suck. Well, just email me. Kind let us know why we suck and how we can get better. We're always open to feedback. We love to hear from you anytime, any place. It's really nice to get to interact with you, and we do constantly look for ways to make our show better. Josh can vouch for that. He knows I'm kind of obsessed about it. Honestly. He picks on me all the time. Yeah, well, everybody picks on me. So, anyways, apparently Brian Gelanu has been picking on me on Rams Uncensored. He's saying he uses the Derek voice, and apparently it's a really annoying version of my voice. I don't
4: know. Uh,
1: Anyways, so where we left off, folks, on Sunday night, we recorded our our first six picks of the mock draft. Just to let you know how this works, what we do is we operate under the idea there are no trades because we just can't foresee trades. So we're going to try and pick what's best for each team and then move from there. Now, the way it was drafted, Mike won the coin flip on Sunday night. So it meant I had to go first. So we're leading off today with me at the 7th pick, followed by Josh will take the 8th pick. I'll take the ninth. He'll take the 10th. I'll take the 11th. You know what I'm saying. All the way to pick 12, and that's where we'll start for the night. Okay? So, on the clock, that's me. I'm the big bad boy on the clock It's the Jacksonville. The Jacksonville? Boy, man. Hold on. I got to take a sip of beer. One second here. There we go. Got to fix my, my language here, fix my wording. The Jacksonville Jaguars, okay? On the clock. They just got themselves a quarterback with Nick Foles. That means there are plenty of needs there as well to try and get him some weapons around. And that was actually a big problem for the Jaguars last year in that they let some dudes go, then Fournette got hurt. And, of course, Blake Bortles was, well, I hate to say it, he was Blake Bortles. And, all of a sudden, the Jaguars went from being Super Bowl contenders to 5-11. and 11. Not a good year. So, they need some help to kind of get themselves set. So, here I am with the seventh pick. And, it was tempting to go ahead and take Metcalf, DK Metcalf. The guy can be, according to all the measurables, a star in the league. He's also really raw. And I'm not big on raw receivers. I want surefire guys. So with that in mind, I'm taking with the number seven pick, Noah Fant, tight end from Iowa, a guy who can be a, a security blanket for Foles, who can block a little bit. I just think it's a great option for the Jaguars. Again, my pick with number seven is Noah Fant. How do you feel about that?
4: I feel like Fant's a super talented tight end. Definitely get Foles some weapons. You know, uh, I think with Foles' contract, I don't think they're going to be looking at a quarterback early in this draft. Uh, I don't even know if they're going to be looking for a quarterback in this draft until late. Uh, you know, uh, Foles is pretty well-respected around the league, so getting him some targets to boost that offense is is a great plan, in my opinion.
1: All right, so there you go. Number eight. All right. The so Detroit Lions, right?
4: Yep, yep, Detroit oh, Lions. here we go. Uh, so there's a, there's, a, there's a couple of guys that I could see at this pick. Um, you know, they uh, they got Trey Flowers in free agency. Uh, they also signed uh, the tight end from the Steelers, Jesse James, in free agency. But honestly, uh, I think they, they got to go pass rusher. Uh, I, I think that their fan base will flip if they get another tight end. So I'm going to go ahead and go with Montez Sweat, the edge rusher from Mississippi State sweat's a guy who blew up at the combine played in the sec played alongside some other talented defensive players at mississippi state i think that he'd be a perfect fit for them so yeah get them an edge rusher boost that defense even further matt patricia is obviously a defensive guy so uh
1: continue to build that defense i like to pick a lot they really could use some help on the outside and if they do this lions team could be a turnaround real quick they gave the Rams all kinds of problems. If the Lions had actual full offensive weapons in that game, the Lions could have won that game. And so I'm looking at that team and going, look at how Patricia's building them. I know it was ugly last year, but I like the directions they're going. And getting them, getting them an edge rusher there makes a, a ton of sense. It's a good pick. I really think it's a good pick. And I'm not just saying that, really. I'm not. Really. Really. Okay. Number nine, the Buffalo Bills. Oh, boy. Well, you know, I am going to go with Ed Oliver, defensive tackle Houston. I like the idea of the Bills going and getting some more weapons to help out Josh Allen. But one thing the Bills have done really well with over the years is getting guys on the defensive line and really... Building a defense around them, okay? Whether it be on the edge or on the inside. And I think Ed Oliver is a great pick for them just because they saw Kyle Williams retire last season. He's disruptive. He's being viewed by many as a guy who is very similar in terms of skill as Aaron Donald. I'm not saying he's going to be Aaron Donald, not by any stretch of the imagination, but the fit is just good. It's good for what they want to do. He's a strong athlete. He'll make an impact immediately. And in a division that I think is going to start tipping away from the Patriots over the next couple of years, building that defensive line, it's a pretty good idea. Your thoughts? Yeah,
4: definitely. Definitely agree with the pick. Uh, I like it. I like it a lot. I don't really
1: got much else to add to it
4: other than
1: that. Well, you made that really, really easy. Honestly, hey man, I mean, you, you were like, it. "Man, that pick sucks." What's wrong? Hey, with you, know, you know, yeah. So, get all right. Well, you know who's up now? The Denver Broncos, and they have all kinds of issues, especially on the offensive side of the football. Where are you going? Uh, before I get to this, can you really quick recap
4: picks one through six for me from last week?
1: Oh uh, man, you're gonna make me remind, You're gonna make me go back and do this. Are yeah. you serious? Number hey. one. Number one was Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. Number two was Bosa. Number three, Josh Allen went to the Jets. Number four, Quinn Williams went to the Raiders. The Buccaneers. Number five, Devin White, linebacker, LSU goes to the Buccaneers. And number six, New York Giants take the man, the myth, the legend, Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State. Okay, go. All right, so
4: with my pick for the Denver Broncos, two quarterbacks have already come off the board. I feel like their biggest need is quarterback, you know, behind Joe Flacco and then offensive tackle. The problem is, is that we know that teams like to reach for quarterbacks whenever they don't have their guy of the future. So I'm going to have to take Drew Locke here, quarterback from Missouri. Uh, I think that he's really talented has a lot of potential, has the chance to sit behind Flacco for a year or two in hopes that, you know, he's not thrown into the flames, you know, right away. So that's, that's what I got them going, and then, you know, probably hit offensive line round two.
1: I think Drew Locke makes a lot of sense, and a lot of folks around the league are taking him as well with that pick. I I tend to think that if unless they're really confident that Joe Flacco is the guy then yeah, I think I think that's the right call. Is yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. So if helpful. if you if you feel like a guy is your guy, it doesn't matter if other people view it as a reach or whatever. Like you've got to take your guy if you have confidence in him. So,
1: yep. Right, there we go. Okay, for me, the Cincinnati Bengals are up at the eleventh pick, and well, I gotta say this: I'm not as down on Andy Dalton at quarterback as everybody else is. But I'll tell you what I am down on, the offensive line protecting him. So the easy solution here is go fill that gap. Jonah Williams, offensive tackle from Alabama, go get a a championship-caliber guy to anchor that line and be a player who will protect whoever is that quarterback for the future, 10, 15 years. He's versatile. He's tough. He will be a starter immediately. He will be a guy who will – basically be your franchise tackle for the years to come if he's developed properly. So I'll go with Jonah Williams, offensive tackle, Alabama, and that's gonna be to me, regardless of who's their quarterback, either this year or next year.
4: I like Jonah Williams. I like him. Uh Bama offensive tackles, you know, they've he's he's uh well tested playing in the SEC under Nick Saban. So I like that pick. Uh fills a big need for them. So yeah.
1: All right, so that takes us to our last pick of the mock draft for today, the Green Bay Packers. All right, so with the 12th pick,
4: I've got the Green Bay Packers selecting offensive tackle Jawan Taylor from Florida. I think that uh, he's a name that's popping up. All over the place, really? Yeah, yeah, all over the place. think that that would be a, a smart pick by them. Uh, build that offensive line. Get Aaron Rodgers some more protection so that he can hopefully return to the A-Rod that everybody knows and loves, or doesn't love, I don't know, the way the media has been going lately.
1: Can you believe how much hate? It's, it's taken some time. Like They didn't do it immediately, but over the course of weeks now, the tide has turned at first. It seemed like everybody just blames Mike McCarthy. Now it seems like the hate's bouncing back towards Aaron Rodgers as a guy who should be the whipping boy for the falling apart that happened in the last couple of years in Green Bay.
4: Yeah. It's always amazing to me how uh, how when things go bad with a franchise, how quickly everybody turns on each other, uh, how how quick fans turn on players and coaches, and players turn on each other, and it's it's interesting to see happen.
1: All right, folks. So that is where we are today through our twelve picks. I will get an article up for you. I promise, I haven't done it yet to let you know exactly where our mock draft is at this point. We'll kick off with the thirteenth pick, the Miami Dolphins, on Sunday night. And we'll pick. We'll end that night with Tennessee Titans. Those hated Tennessee Titans. I still hate them. It's been twenty took, years. I still hate them.
4: They took Roger Saffold from me.
1: Yeah, they did that too. That, that's a bummer. Okay, and they so, gave us Jeff Fisher. Gosh, oh, gosh. <laughs> Jeez. sorry, sorry, I'm sorry. He's trying I had to, to, to kill to, my night. It. I had to do it. Oh my gosh. Okay. Most of us are practically addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. Well if you want to learn more about the Rams history, a bit of personal touch, check out Jim Hawk's Hollywood team, Great Glamour in the nineteen fifties Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of Jim's dad, John, who was offensive lineman for the team from nineteen fifty three to nineteen fifty seven. Check out some story of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour and future Hall of Famers. Rebound players like Norman Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazley's Hirsch, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawks' book online at Hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at Hollywoodsteam. It's available both on hardback and electronic form at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. You can find Team through various other booksellers on the internet. And folks, don't forget, absolutely positive, don't forget, if you're a paperback person, September 6th, that's when it's coming out, all proceeds of this book Go to Homeboy Industries out there in Los Angeles area. What they do is they provide an out, basically, for gang members to get them off the streets, get them to be productive, members of society. It's a great charity led by some really great people. Go check it out and support this venture by buying a piece of Rams history and get something great out of it. Again, check it out. Scene Grit, Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth your time. All right, Josh, you ready? I'm ready. Okay, so Ramswire, good guy over there, Cameron Desola, posted an article this week that I really wanted to kind of get into because we've been seeing this throughout the year, and this mention of the Rams offense being a finesse offense. Now we're going to have Taylor Colstey, the guy who wrote the book Breaking Down, the 2018 Los Angeles Rams, on for an interview here this weekend, hopefully. Finals are going okay for the guy. And we're going to dig more into the offense, but to kind of preview that, Let's talk about this again, because I think it's absolute BS. It's total BS. If you're going to talk about this team being a finesse offense, and tell me how in the world you had Todd Gordley doing what he's doing, how you're having C.J. Anderson do what they're doing, tell me how they're going to run for over 250 yards against the Cowboys in the division playoff game, how everything on this offense is basically predicated on the running game. How on earth is a finesse offense? So I guess my question to you is, what is the mentality of somebody, in your view, who is making the case? Let's be objective. What was the case for the Rams being a, a finesse offense? I, I would have to say that I think that
4: a lazy person would say that Sean McVay and his kind of more vertical offensive passing passing attack uh, is finesse. However, that passing attack is all built off of play action runs. Y- you know, it, it's it's built off of building the running game first. And, and we saw how not having Todd Gurley perform the way we're used to Todd Gurley performing, how that affected the offense. So I think that Sean McVay does like to throw the ball. And so I think that it's easy to label a team like that with talented receivers, talented quarterback as a finesse team.
1: Well, I look at this too and go, why on earth would anybody even think about that? Why would anybody even go that route? This Rams team was in the top five for running the ball all year long, and now you you could try and equate it to the '99, 2000, 2001 Rams. That that those teams from the St. Louis days are often called finesse, and I think they have a better argument. That team was all predicated on speed, and what we saw the, the Patriots doing in the Super Bowl was a great example of using that speed against the Rams by. Constant knocking them off the football, getting physical with them, and basically pushing them around. This Rams team against the Patriots in this Super Bowl, they didn't get beat because they were a finesse offense. They got beat because they didn't execute and they didn't adjust. Let's just yep. be upfront about that. They didn't get the Patriots didn't do anything that wasn't seen on film against Detroit or or other teams throughout the year. And there were other times this year when the Rams had to get physical. In that Detroit game, the Rams had to get really physical to wring some points out of it. So I guess they're not the same offenses. I think a lot of times you think Rams, high-flying offense, past, present, people try and wrap that together. And also they think because the Rams threw for a bunch of yards this year that they're this finesse offense. They weren't really a huge vertical team. They were a team... That took their shots when they could, but they relied on the short game, both on the ground and through the air, to build up for that deep pass. They didn't throw deep every play. There were getting, there were times I was wishing they'd throw deep more. And they didn't do yeah, it. Yeah, and and
4: when I said that earlier about the vertical passing, I didn't mean that that was like their whole passing mm-hmm. you know passing game. I just kind of meant you know yeah. it, it's easy to label a team finesse whenever you've got an offensive minded coach and and a you know a uh, a system that throws play action passes deep obviously they're a west coast offense when you when you get to the nitty gritty of it so I, I didn't mean you know that they're well, I didn't a strictly way, vertical John. passing offense I, I know i just want to clarify for you know anybody listening
1: i took it as they take their shots and yeah. every team takes their shots but they run a whole lot of different stuff what they and out of 11 personnel for that matter is it you know and that was one thing that Cameron mentioned in his article was, you're running off 11 personnel, so people think it's a running off 11 personnel, that they're just this thing, three receivers, so on and so forth. Those three receivers oftentimes are doing the greedy stuff, block on the outside, or taking an end around, or a fake end around. They were doing things to block and move. That's one thing about this Rams offense, is a requirement. you got to block. You can't run yeah, yeah.
3: around.
4: Yeah, DeSilva Silva hit that nail on the head perfectly. You know, our receivers are a big part of our running game. Uh, every one of them is a good blocker and, and well regarded as a blocker. All of them are, are willing to hit those wham blocks and everything like that and spring girly for, for big gains. So normally you think of wide receivers as being divas and they don't, you know, they just want to catch the ball and get touchdowns. They don't want to do the dirty stuff. Obviously, there are exceptions to the rule, but pretty much every receiver the Rams have is willing to do the dirty stuff. And that's pretty rare to
1: see. And you don't find that everywhere in the NFL, honestly. No, it, and, it go, and it goes across the board. We have a couple of our readers really pointing this out. Marcus Peters on defense, helping well, over for a second, took a lot of heat from the Rams fan base this year. One for his coverage issue the first part of the year, but he also took some heat because he wouldn't, uh, he would oftentimes avoid tackles. He you know, I and was so noticeable in film. This. Rams coaching staff and the Rams fan base does not tolerate anybody not willing to take or make a hit. Yeah. It, and it didn't used to be that way, but over time as the demographics have changed over and at the years of losing quite frankly have worn on us. We have we, just a, we are a much less tolerant fan base than we were 5 6 years ago. It used to be the saying same was same old Rams. Yep. <laughs> same whole well, now is the, the times they are a changing the expectations changed you know quite a bit that first year last year and they went 11 and 5 in 2017 you're like okay you know what i'm happy they're here it means a lot they finally turned this around you can go back to our old podcast and say and see that now we're thinking i expect you to be on top of your game i expect you to be the me not we kind of guy and go in there and make the sacrifices for your team i expect you to field a contender out there every year. That expectation has changed, and it's changed quickly. And that's partially, well, largely to credit to Sean McVay. They are not a finesse offense. They're not a finesse defense. They're trying to hit people. Yeah. And Yeah. Anything, yeah. You know, I'm sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm ranting here, dude. I'm sorry. It just really bothers <laughs> me. Go, hey. No, man. yeah, I, I, <laughs> I
4: completely agree. I think the whole finesse thing, whether you're talking about our offense or our defense, I think that it's lazy. It's, it's just lazy.
1: But that's what it is. We're seeing this in media across the country, not just in sports media and news media. A lot of times people just get lazy and go with the instant assumption. But we have an advantage today. Film is so easily accessible to virtually anybody. You 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 can go buy the NFL's system for, I think it's like 50 bucks, to watch all the film of every play. You can watch it from a coach's view. You can go break every single thing down and... Especially if you're knowledgeable and been around the game, you can easily see the flaws in someone's ideas. The idea of this team is a finesse offense is just, it's just garbage, and it's lazy, like you said. And it shouldn't even be something that anybody has to defend. But of course, when Taylor comes in on Sunday, I'll make him defend it. Why not? So, all right. Any final thoughts on that one? No, no. I think nah. we
4: covered it. Lazy garbage.
1: Lazy garbage. All right, folks, hey, we're looking for sponsors as we're getting ready for the 2019 season. And, you know, hey, reach out to us at ramstop1945 at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail at 657 666 5453. Makes me nervous that we have 666 in the middle of that number, by the way. Yeah, it's scary. Uh, yeah, it is. But hey, we have a meet ready to get out to you. It's got all of our information on what we're doing in terms of our numbers, in terms of members of our staff, and what our rates are. Come, come work with us, partner with us. And, you know, we'll we'll work together. And that's all i got to say about that. But we have a long-awaited discussion here. We've been kind of shelving this one for a while now. And this is the talk about Jared Goff. With Jared Goff getting ready for his his extension, we have several questions we kind of want to break down. And the reason why we've waited to this point is, well, quite frankly, our guys over at Butting Heads gave their views, and we didn't want to bore you with the same discussion the day after they did it, because that's when we had a schedule, those jerks. My gosh, just stealing our <laughs> topics. But also, we had a little bit of time now to see how the offseason broke down and see where things went. And now we kind of want to answer a few questions okay, about Jared Goff. And I think the first one we really want to answer is, do you believe, Josh, that he is the right player for the job, the starting quarterback job for the Rams on a long-term basis? I do. I do. I think Goff has a lot going for him. I think that he's still a
4: young quarterback. I think that he's shown the ability to fight through adversity. Everybody's going to have bad games. Everybody's going to have bad stretches. You can say that about literally any single quarterback in the league. So, yeah, I mean, I have all the confidence in the world in Jared Goff.
1: For Jared Goff, I get frustrated a little bit with the the constant picking apart that people do with him. And i got to be honest with this and say, are we not Are we not remembering what the quarterback situation was like here for, so since basically Bolger's heyday? Okay. I remember even before that. Can can anybody, does anybody remember T.J. Rubley? Does anybody remember Keith Knoll? How about pre-beard Ryan Fitzpatrick? Although he did lead that one comeback against the Texans years ago. That's true. How 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 about, uh, well, Tony Banks, who flashed potential, but he didn't make it. Okay. Good guy, but didn't make it. Chris Miller was solid for like a year for the Rams. Chris Chandler had a cup of tea with us. The the quarterback track record has been relatively, well, not good. And it's been a lot of years of our horrible offensive lines getting guys hurt and never living to their potential. We'll never know how good Sam Bradford could have been. People dump on Sam Bradford all the time, but the reality is if you look back to his first year when he was healthy, it was a solid start to what we thought would be a great career. And then, you know, everything went downhill from there. Yeah, he had a lot of potential. And so we'll, we'll never know because once you get hurt, it means we call the David Carr syndrome, right? Yep. We did a car with the Texans and he was going to be the next great star. And, we'll, and the guy got destroyed. <laughs> that poor guy got destroyed in his first year. And he was never the same and never lived up to his potential. Ended up being one of the bigger draft busts in history. So all those things in mind, I would have been happy with a starting quarterback coming in averaging 25 touchdowns or so a year, 10 to 12 interceptions. I would have been fine with that. That's not what we're getting from Jared Goff. But yet now we're complaining? What the crap, yeah. man? Yeah. I, I go back to this all the time with people. It's like Jared Goff
4: can't escape 2016. It's like everybody's opinion of him was formed out of seven games in his rookie year in Fisher Bowl. And from there on out, like anytime he does anything wrong, it's like, Oh, yep. Same old Jared Goff. And it's like, he's, he's not that guy. Like clearly the last two seasons, he's elevated his game. He's improved every year. He's been in the league, you know, uh, we're our records, what? 11 and five. And then 13 and three, he just went to the super bowl at 24 years old. Uh, Come on. Like, (laughs) <laughs> we can't keep going back to 2016 and pretending like this is the same Jared Goff. It's not.
1: Well, no, it's not. And it's not really fair to automatically assume either that he's going to be a superstar quarterback. Everybody takes time to develop. Geez, are we forgetting Peyton Manning's first year? Yeah. 13 he- touchdown passes, 28 interceptions. I think people do forget. Like,
4: honestly, I, I, I mean, I think people
1: do forget that. Well, how about this? When the Patriots make their first run to beat the Rams in the Super Bowl and they think, okay, well, Tom Brady. Well, it wasn't Tom Brady that carried that team that year. No, that wasn't, not at all. I mean, his, his stats in that Super Bowl were, eh, you know, they, were, they weren't they were very good. You I mean, it took time for him to develop into that star. And so what we're seeing from Jared Goff is still a young guy, who is developing and it's still, it's, you've gotten there a couple of years on this, you gotta think. So get off the guy's back already with it. You need time to develop as a quarterback. Now, if at the end of year, say five, at the end of year five, next year, if we get to the point now where he's still making those same mistakes and still having those same issues, then now you have to start asking questions. Now it's fair, you know, making the same – he panicked a couple times last year at the end of the year. He made some poor decisions under pressure. He – yeah, he just basically went the bed sometimes. Let's be honest about that. But overall, as a as a player, as a man, as a quarterback, how could you not be happy with what he's done in his first three years in terms of his, his upwards trajectory? Well,
4: and, and I – like like I said, every player is going to have bad stretches and bad games. It happens. You're right. He did wet the bed at times last year. But I, I go back to other games like against the Chiefs in that Monday night football game.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: How how can you watch that game and, and think – now, I, obviously, I know the Chiefs defense wasn't anything to be heralded. But still, like he kept up with NFL MVP Patrick Mahomes in a shootout played great in Monday Night Football. We've seen him play big in big games time and time again.
1: Go back to the Vikings game. That deep pass in the back of the end zone to Cooper Cup. It goes back to even the idea of him being a system quarterback. You make throws like that, you're not a system quarterback. Yeah. and Nobody was catching that ball but Cooper Cup. Nobody. He has all the tools to be a Hall of Famer one day. It's just one of those things where development still has to happen. He's not going to be perfect. Well, well she was, but he's not.
4: Yeah, well, and I think people also need to take time to consider that quarterbacks are different in today's NFL. I know that we're in a different era of the NFL where the passing game rules all and, you know, quarterbacks are, are God and, you know, everything like that. But the the difference between... The old days and now is that every quarterback came from a pro style system before. Now we've got all these quarterbacks coming from spread offenses and we incorporate that into what teams are doing now, but it's not strictly a spread offense anymore. And they're expected to do more and see more and, and recognize more. And so I think that it's reasonable to say that a 24 year old quarterback may still have some struggles. Like, I mean, he came from playing for the Cal Bears to the L.A. Rams, and it's, it's going to take some time. And it, when you see the great games that he has and you see that potential and and then you see the bad, let's meet in the middle a little bit here. You know, he's not terrible. He's not elite yet, but the potential is there for him to be one of the best in the game.
1: That's kind of what people need to realize. It's It's a process. Yeah, man. People keep keep hearing it. Trust the process. Trust the process that he's being developed properly, and that's why I think, for example, he does have what it takes to one day lead the Rams to a Super Bowl title. And heck, as bad as an offense played, they only they lost by ten in the Super Bowl. It wasn't like they were blown out. They lost that game by ten. They were in it all the way to the end. So the odds are pretty good that if things go the, the Rams, if they just go the right way, it's gonna be fine. You know. But here we go. Should the Rams, knowing all this, talk about this, should the Rams go ahead and make that investment to keep him wearing a horn for the next decade? Uh, wait and see. <laughs> um, no.
4: In my opinion, Jared Goff deserves an extension. I really like him. I have confidence in him. I won't be surprised for them to let year five play out before extending him. I just I think that that's possibly how it could go. But as far as does he deserve an extension, in my opinion, yes, absolutely. I, I think that he can be the quarterback – to lead us to a Super Bowl. I think that he can be the quarterback for the next 10 years.
1: Yeah, he's, he's a perfect fit. Well, and honestly, I, I think he is that guy. You know, some people, if you talk to those who have met him up close, they see him when well, he's aloof. He's, I think that's actually perfect. Very chilled out for a relaxed guy. He just kind of lives his life and stays out of trouble, stays out of drama, just generally overall pretty likable. I look at it as he's a focused guy who doesn't let the big things bother him. Who gets up quickly and instead of just blaming the rest of the world, says, "I will be better the next time around." He did that after his first year. He did that after the Super Bowl. And you know, he—it's not a question of a guy writing checks and, can't, and not be able to cash them. He cashed his check after that first time. He came back so much better in year two, and I'm yep. confident he'll come back better in year four. I really believe that. And what we also cannot forget, and Mike mentioned this a couple weeks ago, is that teams have a ton of film on the Rams now. And they're going to be able to counter more of what they're doing. And now it's up to the Rams to come back and readjust and counter the counters. And as we do that, as we see that constant chess game happening, we'll see him evolve as a quarterback. We'll see that offense evolve. And I think as time moves on, the Rams will be better for it.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I I think that, you know, McVay is going to add more wrinkles to the offense, put more responsibility on Jared Goff, and we're going to see this offense elevate. I mean, I just don't see McVay standing pat, especially after that Super Bowl loss. I think that he's going to look deep within himself and within his playbook and say, you know, hey, like, yeah, this this worked really well, but we could have done this different or we could have added this to make our offense better. And I think that he's going to do that. I, I'm really hopeful that he's going to involve the tight ends more this year.
1: Um, you know, I think that Jared Goff's going to elevate. I think the Rams kind of have to. You know, they have to see if they have the tight ends because you have Tyler Hidby coming up with his contract. You have to make some decisions there. I, I, you want to kind of figure out what you have in Joan Everett. He's flashed to me all the potential to be an all-pro tight end. So what the heck is happening behind the scenes where we haven't seen him fully emerge? Is it just because you're passing the ball around to everybody? You're getting everybody involved? Or is there something else going on? The Rams have a lot of questions to answer about the tight end position and all the other support positions around Jared Goff. But to to lead things off, do I think the Rams need to get this extension taken care of? Yes, long-term. Remember what I, I, me personally, as long as he's a guy who will win games for you and... Not lose them as long as a guy who will be the figurehead of your franchise and lead you down the line, he's worth the extension. Here's my question that I want us to ponder though: is is he going to be the guy that says, you know what, I'm not going to go break the bank for us and go 35 million a year or plus? I'm going to leave some money here for the Rams to move around in the salary cap, much like Tom Brady did. What kind of guy is he going to be when it comes to money? Because if he's one of the guys who goes after 35 million a year or whatever. It's not going to end well for the Rams. You just can't do that anymore the way the salary cap is built. I hate the salary cap. I hate the fact that teams that want to spend more money can because this whole effort to be of par- parity out there. You are basically yeah. legislating who can, who you know the teams that want to win are going to make the eff- extra effort to win, and I think you're restricting that in a lot of ways. So I know they want everybody to have a chance, you know, but in, there's a there's a price you pay for that. And that the price you pay here means you have to make some financial situation, financial decisions that you probably shouldn't have to make if you're about winning.
4: Yeah, yeah. I'll and I'll say this. Obviously, like I don't know Jared Goff personally or anything like that, but just the way he comes off, the way his personality has been described, uh, I got two things to say about Jared Goff here. The first thing is that I like him as the quarterback of the future. Obviously, I've already stated that, but I think that you hit it really well when you were talking about how, you know, his personality is kind of cool, calm, collected. I, I like that in a quarterback to lead my franchise. You know, he's never too up. He's never too down. He's even keeled, you know, he's he's cool and calm and and keeps everything, you know, in perspective. So that's that's point one. Point two is that based on what we do know about his personality, I have a feeling that he's not going to be a guy that goes for that 35 million. Obviously, he's going to want to get paid, but I think that he is going to understand. And with this whole Sean McVay culture of we, not me, I think that, you know, he's going to end up striking a reasonable deal with us. You know, he'll, he'll get paid, but it, it's not going to be $35 million, I don't think. And I think that he's, he's a guy that understands that, hey, if I take a little bit less, I can have a lot more success. And there's always a second contract, a third contract especially for a guy who continues to be successful in the league. And so along with that also you you're in LA, you know, endorsements are going to make up some money too. You know, the more success they have, the more success he has. He's not going to need that contract per se. He's he's going to be able to have endorsements and everything as well. And we've already seen him do some of those things. So,
1: yeah, you know, the problem is a counter to that is California taxes are high compared to other places you could play. And that's the downside, of the argument when it comes to money. But you know what? Mike Trout didn't care. Yeah. yeah and several other players, you know, man, Machado down in San Diego didn't care for the Padres. So we'll see. We'll see what goes on. All right, folks. That's all we got for you. Seriously. It's getting close to draft time. Hopefully we got some more. We got a tour around the league coming real soon. And I forget what day it is, but it's coming real quick. The schedule, the full schedule will be released. So we'll have a podcast out for you for that as well. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. You can find me on Twitter at DCApaul, Josh, at RN underscore Kylo, because he is totally like a Star Wars nerd, okay? And don't forget us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, all those places. Don't forget I-B Radio plays our shows on Wednesdays and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Josh, any final thoughts before I shut this baby down? No, no, I think we covered everything. I think I got what I need to say out, so. All right, so for Josh and the entire Rams talk team, this is Derek Ciapaul saying take it easy. We'll talk to you Sunday.
2: Whether you're moving in together for the first time, Get really into your favorite shows and movies all in one place with Flex, a 4K streaming box you get free with Xfinity Internet. And get Peacock Premium at no additional cost. Learn more at Xfinity.com Flex. Restrictions apply requires postpaid Xfinity Internet, excluding Internet essentials, one device included.
3: It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust.